everyone. Good to see your faces. Glad to be here this morning and um, trying to figure this situation out. This is my first time doing this with a big old round table. Um, I wanted to tell you all, because I know it's probably pretty important for you to hear, that this week um, I was walking around my house and not once did I ever find Mark's shoes left somewhere. So congratulations. But in the spirit of vulnerability, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, a plug for last week's sermon. In the spirit of vulnerability, I once or twice found my shoes left on the floor. So I publicly repent for my hypocrisy. And now I'm going to preach to you, I guess. Okay, so uh, the past four weeks, we've been in a sermon series, uh, which has been amazing. Do you all agree? Called Healthy Relationships. How helpful. I've loved it personally. I think uh, Mark has done an amazing job. Today, we are going to talk about healthy friendships. And I couldn't help, as I was preparing this, to remember those of you who were alive in the 80s and 90s, Michael W. Smith, friends are friends forever. I was going to sing it. I thought about making this sermon a musical. <laughs> the first ever musical sermon. Friends are friends forever. Some of you weren't even a lord's the lord of them. And a friend will not say never because the welcome. <laughs> okay. Some of you weren't even alive, but we sang that 800 times in my church growing up. Um, I love friendship. And for my birthday this year, I had a few close friends uh, with me, and I asked for permission to do 20 minutes of like a serious, sappy monologue to express my love and appreciation to them. And I uh, began just to share with them how much uh, they've all meant to me in the last five to seven years, how, wow, I'm going to cry a hundred times <laughs> today, um, how they've carried me through so much of life, through the highs and lows. Um, so many hard conversations we've had where we've addressed difficult things and have only caused our relationship to go deeper. Um, we've carried one another's children, literally like birthed children <laughs> together, I feel like. And um, just the depth and the richness and the delight of my heart um, to have these friends in my life in the last five to seven years. And really how they've been such Jesus with skin on to me. And how they've really drawn me closer to him and really discipled me. And after a few minutes of tears, we then sat down and watched my favorite 90s movie. And I forgive you all right now if you've never seen this movie. I just decided I would forgive you ahead of time. Sister Act 2, anyone? Okay, Lauren Hill, Whoopi Goldberg, joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee. Okay, so I told you I was going to make it a musical. So I love my friends, and there has been such great delight in my heart in friendship, but it hasn't always been that way, and I know it's not that way for everyone. There have been times of loneliness and times that I haven't felt that depth of connection, and actually I was looking at some studies, and I think this, this need for friendship, this need for a close relationship um, is further evidenced by an American Psychological Association, that's a hard one, article, um, in 2018, I read about it, and it said that currently in the U.S., uh, loneliness and isolation is at an all-time high, that 50% of Americans would consider themselves often or always 
alone and isolated and without close friendship. And it was really interesting, too. One psychologist said that they are finding that social isolation and loneliness significantly increase the risk of premature mortality, almost more than any of the other leading causes that you could think of, lifestyle choices. And our innate need for close relationships was further proven to all of us during COVID. Can I get an amen? Lonely, isolated. I feel like I only lasted three weeks in um, isolation. Not exactly isolation. What do we call it? Quarantine. Three weeks before I was like, I need to see my friends or I'm going to die. It's actually really true. But we were not made to be alone. And it was interesting as I was thinking through friendship. From Genesis to Revelation, God speaks to friendship. And before anything was created, there was God, right? And God existed in perfect friendship. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in relationship and friendship with one another. And then when God created Adam... He walked with Adam like a friend in the garden. They talked. They shared life together. I'm sure they laughed and told jokes. Um, And then as you continue throughout the word, uh, Abraham and there's Moses and there's David. These men were friends of God. And then when Jesus came on the earth, he decided that he would spend his last three years, his years in ministry, and gather 12 friends around him to do life with. Friendship was so important to Jesus. And then... The Holy Spirit comes and is the friend to the church. And then at the end in Revelation, the whole thing ends with uh, God in this giant feast of the Lamb. And there's this banqueting table. And God is surrounded by his friends. And friendship is the heart of God. It's the nature of God. It's what we're made for. And I am. there's so many stories of friends throughout the Bible, but we're going to focus today on a story uh, on the friendship of David and Jonathan, which many of you are probably familiar with. So we're going to turn in our Bibles to 1 Samuel 18, but as we do, oh, I don't even have one. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, as you turn there, I just want to say that this we're picking up right here is after David kills Goliath and he becomes this overnight war hero. And Saul asks um, for him to come so that he can meet him. And that is where we're picking up, and it's where uh, David and Jonathan meet for the first time. And I believe this is a picture, this paints a picture of the kind of friendship that God has for each of us. So verse 1 through 3, I'm going to read from the NIV version. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Can you open that? Thank you. I know that uh, some of this language in this passage can be a little bit intense, but it's biblical. So everybody, hold on. Y'all going to be okay. Uh, So this word, this one in spirit, the Hebrew word for that is kashar. And why I have this blanket up here is because that word means knit or bound to. So David and Jonathan became bound to one another, knit together with one another. Oh, geez. Okay. So um, the idea is that these, this is knit. This is my daughter's, and it was knit by some great aunt. I have lots of aunts that do this sorts of thing. Um, And it's amazing, and I'll never be able to do it. It's so cool. 
So see how all these strands are knit together? And if you try to pull them apart, it's really hard to. And I think, it was so, I think it's so cool that this is the picture that we have of this word, that they became knit together. And here's another way to bind things together. And I don't know if you can see this very well. I wanted to find a big one, but I couldn't. This is Velcro. And it easily comes apart. And I think that in today's day and age, maybe some of you can say you've experienced this. I think a lot of people have relationships that are a little bit more like Velcro. Uh, that, like, one hard thing and I'm out. One social media post that I don't like, and we're done. One difference about a theological opinion or a political opinion, and we're not friends anymore. Jonathan and David's relationship was strong, and it was knit together. And an important note about this I thought was really cool is if you can see the colors on this, the orange, there's orange and there's purple, the orange string stays an orange string, and the purple string stays a purple string. And really quick before we go on, I just want to address uh, this idea of codependency versus interdependence. Because what we're talking about here is an interdependent relationship that's strong. But the, the purple doesn't try to become like the orange. It maintains its purpleness. It maintains its individuality. It gets its needs, its primary needs met in God. So it's not needing, 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 needing something from the orange, and then it just sort of blends in and becomes like orange. Uh, and I think that that's really important as we continue here, that uh, God designed us to be fully ourselves in relationship with one another, bound together, but not becoming and so enmeshed in one another that we don't even know who we are. We're trying to get all our needs met in each other. So... Jonathan loved David as himself, is what chapter, or sorry, verse 3 says. Um, so what does this look like? So today I want to offer several characteristics or demarcations of true friendship. And this is in no way an exhaustive list. It was difficult. Books could be written on the topic. Sermon series could be told. Um, so I'm just going to share four characteristics from this story. Um, and so let's jump in. So the rest of chapter 18, I'm going to briefly overview some chapters. We're going to read quite a bit today, so hang in there with me. Um, but I'm going, to, I'm going to give you an overview of 18 and 19. In chapter 18, Saul becomes jealous of David, wants to kill David because he's become this big warrior. And now Saul's like, you know, he's like, I'm not the big warrior anymore. David is. So he wants to kill him, and he tries to have David killed in a number of different ways. Then chapter 19, Saul even comes to Jonathan after their hearts have been knit together and they've become good friends. He comes to him and says, I actually want you to kill David. And Jonathan stands up for David and his character and says, uh, no. And also, he's actually amazing. He's done nothing to you. So he protects David. But Saul continues to pursue David, and David is fleeing from him, and this is all kept from Jonathan because Saul knows that um, Jonathan loves David. So we're going to start reading, but the first point and the first characteristic that we see a true friendship is a true friend will serve at great cost to themselves. A true friend will serve at great cost Okay, at 1 Samuel 20, 
one through five. Did I tell you guys to start? <laughs> Sorry. First Samuel 20, uh, one through four. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, this is after he's running for his life forever. What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, far from it, you, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing either great or small without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you. So Jonathan's becoming aware for the first time that David's like on the run and his dad's really trying to kill him. And David's like, okay, wow. Well, if this is true, he said, what do you want me to do? So immediately that heart of service to say, what do you need me to do? So then this continues on, and I'm going to um, over overview the rest uh, a little bit more. He and David decide that they're going to come up with a plan to find out if Saul really does want to kill David. And they have a signal that they're going to give each other and this whole thing. And then we continue in verse, sorry, 24. Okay, we're going to pick up in verse 24. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat at his seat, King Saul, as at other times, on the seat by the wall, and Jonathan sat opposite. Um, but David's place was empty. Yet Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, um, surely David must be ceremonially unclean, that's why he didn't come to the table. But on the second day, the day after the new moon, David's place was empty, and Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal, either today or yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul. David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go, for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now, if, you have found, if I have found a favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you or your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for surely, for he shall surely die. Um, so this is... Uh, sorry. Okay. So Saul is like so angry. And so now Jonathan's getting it. Like he's like, he's really mad at David. Uh, he does, he's, he wants to kill him. And uh, Saul is uh, reminding Jonathan that as long as David is around, he's actually going to take the throne instead of Jonathan getting the throne. So by Jonathan uh, defending and befriending David, he actually, in keeping him alive, he's actually laying down his right to the throne for the sake of David's calling and anointing, to, which is really crazy. That's a great cost. So friendship with David came at great cost to him. 
And then we uh, move on to verse 32. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, why should David be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger. Um, and he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. So not only is he giving up his, his right to the kingdom, but also he's now put in the way, like his dad wants to kill him, basically. So he could be killed now. His dad's like disgraced him in front of people and disowned him in a lot of ways. And that, count, that comes at great cost to him. And I think that it's important for us to recognize that true friendship comes with great cost so that when things get hard and bumpy and hard conversations come and hard things come, we just already know that relationship isn't always easy and it comes at a great cost. A few, a few years ago, um, Mark and I were going through uh, something that we really just couldn't navigate on our own. And we were just, it was way in over our heads. And uh, Brian and Jen Neese, the nieces, Zach and Priscilla Henson, Jameson and Corinne Kissling, they rallied around us for months and months and months and took hits for us and uh, stood in the gap for us and prayed for us. And, um, oh my goodness, so many things processed us, counseled us, had conversations that we couldn't have, brought encouragement and wisdom this came at great cost to them. It cost them much time and energy uh, to, to stand in the gap for us in that way. And they did it because they're true friends. And our hearts were knit closer together in that season because they were willing to lay down their lives for us. And that was costly for them. So let's continue. Um, verse 35. Um, actually, I think I'm just going to. Sorry, um, the next little point, uh, portion, basically Jonathan comes and gives the signal to David. He's in trouble. Saul wants to kill him. He needs to flee. And then let's go down to uh, verse 41 and 42. Okay, as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. This point number two, a true friend expresses emotion and empathy. And I wanted to put affection in here, but I just didn't have enough time. But I think it's really important. So a true friend expresses emotion and empathy. They were sharing deep emotion with one another. They were open emotionally with one another. And I, do you share big emotions and true emotions in your friendships? Or do you kind of keep things pretty light and surface level? Uh, years ago, I expressed in counseling to my counselor how one of the things I wanted in life was just an ability to connect deeper with my friends. I mean, for sure with my husband, but also with my friends. And I felt that something was holding me back. And as she helped me learn to get in touch with my emotions, I was able to bring them honestly to my friends. And it was pretty cool because a lot of them are going through a similar season of like learning how to really be open and real and vulnerable and intimate with one another and offer the truth of our emotions with each other. And it knit us together in deeper ways to be able to do that. And I want to say like this is a messy process and all of us come from different families of origin. Maybe it wasn't allowed for you to have emotion. Maybe you learned most of your life how to fly through life without a whole lot of it or sharing it. 
Um, and so this is not easy. But I want to submit, and this, is, this could come across a little hard, but I want to submit that if you don't know how to express emotion and to be emotionally open and vulnerable with safe friends, you're not experiencing the fullness of friendship that God has for you. I have experienced such deeper richness in friendship since I decided uh, and learned how to become more emotionally present and offer truth um, of emotion. And so emotional vulnerability bonds us together, and it's God's heart, um, sorry, and God's heart is for us to be able to have this kind of connection with one another. So um, I'm going to give an overview of chapter 21 and 22. Uh, Basically, David is fleeing for his life continues to flee for his life. Saul tries to kill him again and again. And uh, that's kind of where we're picking off here, up here. Um, in 1 Samuel 23, if you can go to 1 Samuel 23, um, 15 and 16, this is where uh, Jonathan finds David and all of his running and kind of comes to meet him. Um, and I can imagine at this point that David is probably pretty, like, PTSD, probably a lot of anxiety, probably terrified, probably trying to keep faith. Like, I think God told me that I was supposed to be king, but I'm just fleeing for my life. And, I mean, just imagine where David is right now um, when Jonathan comes to him. So, verse 15 and 16. Uh, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. And strengthened his hand in God. Another version said, strengthened him in the Lord. A true friend helps us find strength in the Lord. This is point number three. Is that there? Awesome. David, um, like I said, David was super stressed out and carrying a lot of burdens. And probably really needed someone to come alongside of him and remind him of who he is or remind him of who God is. And I love to think about this. It said that um, Jonathan strengthened him in the Lord. Jonathan didn't come and strengthen him in his own strength or with his own, like, um, good ideas or, um, or, or a rote scripture. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Uh, You know, this is a deep place of faith and knowing God and being filled with the Holy Spirit that he comes to David and encourages and strengthens. And I imagine probably prayed with him. They probably interceded together on the floor and weeping together is sort of how how I imagine this. Um, Friends hold your arms. Friends are there to hold your arms up when life gets hard and when you can't find faith. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not always strong. Uh, I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but I'm not always strong. And a song is coming to me. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. See, gosh, so good. Oh, I love that. I wish we could just all keep singing it. We don't have time. So a couple weeks ago, I was in Portland, and my anxiety got triggered really high. And I immediately reached out to a couple friends. And a lot long after that, I was on the phone with Jen Neese. And she listened to me. She prayed for me. She spoke truth over me. 
and we prayed together, and man, that anxiety lifted. She strengthened me in the Lord when I was weak. A couple weeks before that, I was experiencing more anxiety. Oh, welcome to life. We all have it, right? Over some big decisions we were having to make, and I reached out to Becca and to Priscilla, and I told them, man, I need prayer. I am not doing well. I can't figure out which way is up from down. And they both prayed for me, got words from the Lord for me that hit right on what I needed to hear, to find faith and strength, and to move forward. And I'm telling you, like, I wouldn't be able to do life without that, that, that stuff. Um, back in March, I got really sick and had some tests done, and it looked like it could be a really scary diagnosis. And I had a few friends that were in the journey and process with me, but Mel Wong is not here today, but I wish she was, because she's a doctor. She's a close friend, but she's also a doctor. And I remember getting on the phone with her and just weeping over the fear of, like, do I have cancer? And Mel listened to me, oh, in such an amazing way that I guess being a doctor filled with the Holy Spirit is a really powerful thing. And she really held me in that space. Like, we were on the phone, but I felt like she was just holding me in the Spirit. And she prayed for me, and she wept with me. And after that, I was filled with so much peace. Literally, I was like, I don't know what you did. I don't know what happened, but I don't care. I just, I found Jesus in that place, and I have peace now. She strengthened me in the Lord. Um, Amy Elias and I often go on what I call revelation power walks. They're really fast because Amy's like so fast everywhere she goes. <laughs> and I usually can't breathe, so it's a lot of her talking. <laughs> I receive so much revelation from her in my places of struggle and weakness because of Amy's openness to the Holy Spirit moving in her weakness. And do you know that when we show up for faith for our friends when they're weak, often it's the testimony of our own weakness when God showed up for us. We're not, it's just not like, oh, we just have some strong friends and some of us are weak. We're all weak. And there's such power when we meet God in our own lives that becomes a testimony that will then prophesy to someone else and bring strength and strength that only the Lord can. And I am so thankful for those walks, and I'm thankful that Amy's filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for all my friends that are filled with the Holy Spirit and strengthen me. And the Lord, what a gift friends are. Okay, at this point, somebody, I just feel like Jonathan and David, like, need to go to the movies or something. They need to, like, go to K-Spa, go get some pho, do something fun. I wish I could talk about that. This is a very intense story, but I just want to say that for a minute. We all need to loosen up a little bit and have some fun with our friends. Um, okay. First uh, Samuel 23, 17, which is right after this. Oh, I love this so much. I, oh, so good. Jonathan says, oh, I better read it in the right version. Sorry. Where's the right version? Okay. And he said to him, Jonathan said to David, do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made the covenant before the Lord. A true friend speaks your destiny over your life. A true friend, I like to say, holds a space of faith for you. And the word the Lord has spoken over you when you can't see it because circumstances stink. Man, I have my friends done this for me in life. Honestly, I wouldn't be up here right now 
if it wasn't for my friend speaking destiny over my life and my husband, who's amazing at it. But even like I was, this wasn't in my notes, but Ev Green, man, Ev Green has spoken my destiny over my life again and again and again and again. You have been a true friend who stood in the gap for me and prayed for me and gotten the word of the Lord for me and encouraged me when I didn't think I could keep going. So thank you for that. Of. And I love this, just that Jonathan was like, no, you will be king, because that's what God said. I know it looks like you're about to die, and you've almost died 1,800 times, but you didn't die, and God has spoken that you're going to be king. And there have been many times, especially for me in the last three years, where I really wanted to give up on ministry. Um, every one of those times, Priscilla has been there for me. Ooh, here we go. Every one of those times, Priscilla has been there to call out my destiny. And in times when I just couldn't see it anymore, and it was so freaking hard, Priscilla would pray over me. She would speak the word of the Lord over me. Like, you are a prophet. You are meant to be someone who speaks and communicates truth and brings freedom. And this is who you're meant to be. And man, I tell you, that is like wind in your sails when you want to give everything up. And I also, I don't think that we were made to live our destinies without friends who could do that. And you know that Priscilla also had to have great humility to say those sorts of things to me. She also had to have a depth and a richness in her relationship with the Lord that she could see those things over my life. And that she wasn't jealous of those things over my life. Because in a lot of ways... She and I are a lot alike, and I think often we have a similar calling in some ways over our life, and I think sometimes jealousy and envy, like it did for Saul, can get in the way of us having that, that speaking destiny over one another's life, and that was just an aside. Sorry, I'm going to stay on track. Um, <laughs> do you ask your God to give you your heart for your friends? Do you pray for your friends and ask them, God, what are you speaking over them? Do you ever ask them, what are the words of the Lord over your life? Do you know what God's spoken over your friends? A couple weeks ago, um, Becca gave me a word. And um, it was this time I'd already spoken that I was really struggling. And she saw this picture. I'm going to get real vulnerable. She saw this picture of this lion crou like crouching and hiding under a rock. And she basically said, I see you crouching under a rock, and you need to get up and get out of there. Stop hiding because lions aren't meant to hide. And it's kind of one of those things where you go, did I just get rebuked or encouraged? I don't know what that was, but I feel real good because she thinks I'm a lion. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness, that was so powerful for me. Again, it kept me moving forward in faith on the things that God has called me to. Can we carry faith for our friends and speak their destiny when they want to give up? I want to say that when friends do this for one another, it's powerful. And the kingdom of God breaks in. On earth as it is in heaven, God knits us together in a bond that becomes a kingdom force. I really believe that. Like God's desire is for unity. God's desire is for us to love one another. And I believe that when this kingdom force advances that the kingdom of darkness will not prevail against it. God has called us to love and carry one another in these ways. And like I said before, 
we can't do life on our own. Like there, I heard somebody say, there are many destinies for each one of us, but none of us can reach them on our own. We need each other. And I love, I was thinking about John 13, when Jesus, you know, this whole like John 13 through 16, oh, that whole end of John is just so good. Um, And one of the things that Jesus says in John 13, he says, the world will know they are my disciples by their love for one another. I think that's so amazing. The world will know that you're my disciples by their love for one another, not by the things they do, not by how much time they spend in church, not by how many uh, good sermons they preach, but the world will know they're my disciples by their love for one another. And how attractive would the church be if we had these kind of friendships throughout, if we were bonded together in this way, if we were knit together like this, and there wasn't much that could break us apart. And I also just want to share before we um, end today that these kind of relationships are only possible because of Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. We're all naturally selfish and sinful people. And we naturally just want to get the best for ourselves and do life on our own. And we're independent by nature. But Jesus came and he died for our sin on the cross and he took it upon himself for, because he loved us, and he wanted to be near us, and he wanted to be in close relationship with us. But also, he, by his Holy Spirit, gives us power to live in these kind of deep relationships because of the work that he did. So um, the worship team, or Sean, or however you guys want to do it, if Sean just wants to come up and strum, we're going to um, take a longer time of response today. So I know this was a lot, but uh, where is this landing for you today? I think it's so important when we come to church week after week to respond to God. God is initiating with each one of us every time the word is preached. He's initiating with each one of us to mold us, to shape us, to convict us, to heal us. And I don't know where you're at today and where you're coming from um, and where this hit you, but I want to take a minute And just as uh, Sean is strumming, we're going to sit before the Lord. But I know that for some of us, friendship has been excruciatingly painful in life. For some of us, relationships in general have just been disappointing. Uh, Many of us have perhaps been hurt again and again and again. And I want to say that word that Sean got during during worship was totally from the Lord. Because I had felt that the Lord wanted to speak to many people who have felt deeply rejected in life in their friendships, that maybe you opened up and then people were gone. Um, Maybe you opened up and people responded in a way that you felt so much shame and condemnation. And so you've you've like erected these huge walls around your heart and you've even become hardened and even maybe not allow yourself to even be emotionally vulnerable with another friend because you're terrified because it's painful. And I love what Sean said today of, like, um, Jesus says that you belong here. And, and I, there's going to be more ministry time as, as we come. But I really believe that if rejection is something 
um, that you've experienced a lot of, and it's maybe a word that you speak over yourself, I feel like today God wants to pour out the spirit of adoption over you and places that, you know what, <laughs> Jesus can do anything. <laughs> he went to the cross, and when he went to the cross, he took all sin all shame. There is nothing, there's no place of darkness, there's no place of pain that he cannot touch and redeem. So that's one group of people that I want to speak to today and will continue to do ministry. Um, some of us may have had a lot of surface level friendships and God's just calling us to go a little deeper, to risk um, to have maybe even uncomfortable conversations with some of our friends, to say, I really love you and I'd love to go deeper in our relationship and just learn how to be more committed and um, to encourage each other better. And some of us, and especially after COVID and mercy, Lord Jesus, what this has done to our mental health issue and loneliness. Some of us during COVID have been really lonely and I would say that there's two things that I want to speak to today. One is loneliness that you don't even know is there because you've kept yourself medicated. Um, and then another one is like loneliness is definitely there and I definitely feel it, but I just don't even know how to start in my friendships with people. And the first one, I want to say that there are people and there some of us think that we don't need friendship. And I just want to say that's not biblical. And that's not God. And everyone needs relationship and friendship. And some people during COVID, I would want to say, took that time to, to purposely, not purposely isolate, but just to kind of be like, I'm going to hunker down and be by myself. It's a lot easier this way. And you've almost become comfortable. But in a lot of ways, you're hiding from the actual loneliness that's really there. And some, some of what I said today may have even kind of triggered some of that. And you're like, man, I'm just going to push that down. I don't want it. But if we, if we come to church just to put on a face and pretend we're okay, what's the point of church? This is the place where we find healing. This is the place where we open up. This is the place where we get prayer and find breakthrough. And I really want to, um, uh, we're going to do some ministry time here. But before we do, I just want us all to sit with the Holy Spirit and just allow him to speak to us whatever he would speak to us. So go ahead and just close your eyes and maybe even put out your hands as a way of receiving. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you love us. And we thank you, God, that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Oh, just one more thing really quick. <laughs> If you've struggled with codependency in the past and you have shame around that and you're terrified because you've struggled with codependency, you're scared you're going to do it again. I feel like the Lord wants to break the shame off of that and just allow you to confess that today um, because if we confess our sins one to another, um, we find healing and shame so often keeps us from the very thing that will heal us. And that there are reasons why we do the things we do. And there is great grace and compassion. Everyone has a story. And there's compassion for wherever you are. And so, God, I ask right now that as we sit here with you, that you would begin to break shame off of people in the name of Jesus. 
that the spirit of rejection would be broken off, Father God, and the spirit of adoption would fall in this place. God, would you open up hearts? Would you speak to us as a father right now in Jesus' name? Let's just sit and listen and see if uh, Jesus would say anything to us.